Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Today, uh, here's what I want to talk to you about. Found people, find people. If saved people serve people, we, we are of the belief and of the conviction that found people, that is those that were once lost, that God through his grace and his mercy, through the power of his spirit, has, has come to that place where he has, he has found them in him. And now they've, they're no longer lost, but they're saved and, and they've been filled with the Holy Spirit and, and God's working in their life. Now that you're found, now you're, you're on mission, on assignment, finding those that are lost. We believe that found people find people. And um, I want to read to you uh, one verse of scripture uh, before we get over to 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, I'm going to jump around to a lot of different scriptures, but I want to be, I want to be super, super practical today. Um, I think that sometimes you need those moments where you get someone that gets you like hyped about something. I think that's good. There's a place for that. There's sometimes there you need someone to equip you practically, like here's step by step how to do something. Sometimes you just need someone to teach you something new, uh, so that you have a, a new, fresh understanding. Today I want to be I want to be so practical because I believe that God has called us as a church to be on mission with Him and to be in, be in alignment with what he is doing in the earth today. Do you know what God's doing today? God is seeking and saving those that are lost. That's what he's doing. He, he's building his church. He's reaching people that are lost without him. And so let me read you this one verse because I think that uh, this one verse is great because a lot of times, listen to me, a lot of times people don't like the word lost because they don't want to be labeled. And, and it sounds really bad, like, oh, you're telling me I'm lost? Like, who are you to tell me that I'm lost? Let me tell you this. I'm, I'm 36 years old now. I remember when I was 18 years old. And for about five years, after my dad became physically abusive, my mom lived in a battered women's shelter, my dad abandoned our family. I had about five years where the best way I can describe my life was that I was lost. I was lost because I had no direction. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. I felt like my life had no purpose. I felt empty. I, I felt like... I felt like I had no, like no hope. And I literally felt like I was roaming around in the dark, lost in life. That's the best way to describe it. I don't know if you've ever felt lost before. Now, if you're a man here, you've been driving before, and we know you've been lost. <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever felt lost before. I, I've been lost before. And, and, and if you're here today and you're like, I'm not a Christian, I, I hope that me using that phrase does not offend you. But I think that one of the first prerequisites to being found by God is coming to grips with the reality that you are lost. And I was lost when I was 18 years old, but I was found by the grace and the mercy and the love of God. And I think that's what he wants to do in people's life. Here's proof uh, that we can be lost and that God has a plan for those that are lost. Luke 19, when Jesus was speaking about himself, he says this, For the Son of Man came to seek, that is to pursue, relentlessly, to go after. There's this aggressive pursuit, like a rescue mission. He says, The Son of Man, myself, Jesus, this is the very reason why I came. I didn't come just to be a good guy, just to be a, a miracle worker. I didn't come just to feed people, although that's important. I didn't come just to heal people, although that's important. I didn't just come uh, to, to teach some good teachings or to be a good rabbi. He said, this is why I came to seek and to save those who 
are lost. Not, not people that just are having a bad day or have lost their job, but people that are lost in their life and they, they don't know who God is. They don't know the love and the mercy of God. Jesus says, that is the very reason why I came. Now, I want you to listen to me. I don't have this in my notes, but First John 4, 17 says this. Uh, love is made perfect. And it goes on to say this, that that love is made perfect when this, when, when as Jesus as Jesus is, so are we now, the church, so are we in the earth today. And if Jesus, when he was on the earth, he was about seeking and saving lost people as the body of Christ, the present body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ in the earth today, I think it would be fitting for us to say, you know what we're going to be about? We're not going to be about building big buildings. We're not going to be about, you know, raising money campaigns. We're not going to be about just doing some good things around our city, but here's what we're going to do. We are going to do those things maybe. Maybe maybe we'll build a building. Maybe we'll have a facility. Maybe we will do that stuff. But all that stuff, that doesn't really matter. Here's why we exist. We have been found to go and find people. We are to seek and to save those that are lost, that are far from God. That is our assignment. That is our mission. That is what God has called us to do. And so we're going to talk about that for a few moments. Found people, find people. Lord, we love you so much. God, I pray that you would take the next few moments and that you would speak to us, uh, that you would you would teach us. Because we want to be on assignment with you. Um, we want to be in alignment with what you're doing. And, uh, and God, we just thank you that that is actually a privilege. That's a privilege that we get to partner with the God of the universe on his mission to redeem his sons and daughters. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Speak to us today. Equip us today to be your hands and feet, the body of Christ in our city so that we can love it by seeking those that may not know you. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, why don't you clap your hands for God's word. I really want to, just to give you a little framework so you know where I'm going with this, I really want to answer three questions. Uh, the first one is this, is evangelism. Evangelism is simply this. Uh, we'll break that down. Evangelism, here's the topic. Uh, what is it? Uh, why, do we, why do we do it? Why do we need to do it? And then number three, how do we do it? That's very practical. That's, that's the headings that I want to talk to you about for just a moment. But look at this, First Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, I'm going to skip down to verse number 20, 22. Uh, let me set it up for you for a moment. The Apostle Paul, who was in alignment with God, on assignment, seeking and saving those who are lost, bringing the gospel to people, sharing the love of Christ with people. Uh, he says these, he has these few verses where he begins to talk about that, and he, he, he makes this, this statement. Uh, he says, I have become all things to all people, so that I may win some to Christ. Here's how he says, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means... I might save some. We know that we can't save people, but God saves people, and he uses us to reach people. But he says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. You know why we were handing out bottles of water and Gatorade yesterday? Uh, not just because people are thirsty when they were running, but because they have a soul that is thirsty for the true living water, which is Jesus Christ. And by all possible means, I'll hand out a pack of gum. I'll hand out a care package. I'll give away my jacket by all possible means so that we can reach people for Jesus. And that's what Paul's saying here. But watch this. And I love this. He says, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel. That's the good news of who Jesus is, what he's done, and what he can do for you. He says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel, watch this, that I may share in its blessings. 
Now, here, here's why I want to share this with you, because I, I think all too often I have sat in church services where a, a pastor, a preacher, or some uh, traveling minister comes in and, and tries to mobilize the church around this idea of evangelism, uh, sharing the gospel with people, get out there and, and tell people about Jesus. And I think a lot of times we can leave feeling burdened. We can leave a church environment as Christians uh, feeling like a little guilty, like, oh, I'm not doing a good job. I haven't told anybody about Jesus, or I've never, I've never prayed with someone to receive Christ. I've never led someone with Christ. By a show of hands, and I'll be the first to say it, how many of you have ever sat in a church service or read a book or listened to a podcast where someone talked about it's your responsibility to tell people about Jesus and you felt a little guilty? Anybody in here? Or you ever felt like you're not doing a good job at it? Listen, let me just go ahead. This is the disclaimer. By the time we finish, in a few moments today, I I pray and I hope that you do not feel burdened or you don't feel guilty. I would never want to try to give someone this sense of guilt to try to motivate you to do anything. I actually think in the Christian life, in this thing of following Jesus, this life of faith, it is the worst motivation when you have a sense of guilt. Guilt to worship, guilt to give, compulsion to do anything, that is the worst thing. The best motivator is not guilt, it's grace. It's saying, look what God has done. Look how Jesus has saved me. Look, look at the love of God. That, it's when we get that, that's whenever we're like, ah, oh, I want to tell people about Jesus. And so the goal of this message is not to make you feel bad. I don't want to beat you up. I don't want to tell you you're doing a terrible job, none of those things. I want you to be equipped today. I want you to be encouraged today. And I want you to lead today reaching people in your world for Jesus. Why? Because you love your city. Not because it's just beautiful, but because it's, it's built with people. It's made up of people. And Paul says this. He says, I do all this. Like, I, I'm, I'm trying to win people. He, earlier he says, when I'm around Jewish people, he goes, I've become a Jew. When I'm around poor people, I've become poor. When I'm around rich people, I'll become rich. I, I, I wish God would call me to rich people. I just become rich. <laughs> Here's the point he's saying. I'm, watch this. He goes, I have learned the gift of empathizing with people, with where they're at. I've learned the gift to contextualize this message. When I'm with people that are struggling, I get down in their struggle. When I'm with people that are having a good time, I have a good time. He goes, I've learned that I've got to contextualize not just my message, but the messenger of my life. And I've got to be able to empathize with people. And he says, but then he, he finishes with the beautiful statement. He goes, this is to share in the blessing of the gospel. You know what he's saying? He's saying this whole thing, bringing the gospel to people, being an evangelist, reaching people with good news, telling people good news, it's not a burden. It's a blessing. My desire for you is this, is that you know this, and you'll always hear say a phrase like this. As a church, we don't want anything from you, but we do want things for you. And I want to teach you this because I want you to know the blessing like Paul talked about. I want you to know the blessing of being being able to lead someone to the grace of God, and to Jesus. It, it truly is one of the greatest things. I remember leading my brother to Christ. My brother called me. One day he said, Jason, he goes, I think I'm ready to receive Jesus. I want to become a follower of Jesus. And uh, I, I was on the phone with him. And I remember telling him, I said, Joey, I said, uh, it's a little late tonight. Uh, I'll, I'll come over tomorrow. And uh, we'll, we'll lead you to Jesus. I'll pray with you. I was testing him. I want to see if he was, he was legit, like if he was real about this. And he was like, are you kidding me? He was like, like, what if I die tonight? And like, I'm like, well, you know, God knows your heart. And uh, he's like, no, you got to come over. I'm like, I don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if it's a good time. And he's like, you've got to get over here. I'm like, like, it's like if you were fishing, this is like a fish jumping in the boat with you. Like, it's like there. You don't have to like catch it, right? 
And, and I, I said, man, I'm just joking. I'm going to come over. And I was able to lead my brother to Christ. I was able to explain uh, how I came to Christ and explain the gospel to my brother. And I led him to Christ. Today, my brother, is pre- he's a pastor. He's preaching today one of his first sermons at a church down in Louisiana. And uh, he's come to Christ. And... It, it was a joy. It was a blessing. It wasn't a burden to get to lead my brother to Christ. It was a blessing. I want you to know that blessing. I want you to know the blessing of inviting a friend, a coworker to church and them coming one Sunday and you, uh, you, you're sitting there on the edge of your seat hoping and praying that I don't say something stupid or that some weird person at our church doesn't talk to them, but that everything goes great and you're going to be really nervous and you're like, oh my gosh, I hope that Elton and the team sings those really good songs, the ones that I really like. And, and like you're, you're praying that everything goes perfect. Like I want you to feel that level of anxiety it's actually a good thing uh, because there's that moment at the end of service which we'll have today where we'll say everyone bow your heads close your eyes and if you want to commit your life to Jesus like I want you to feel that moment and and having that conversation maybe afterwards where they say I gave my life to Jesus and you know that God used you to lead them to Christ that's a blessing that's one one of the greatest blessings of being found by God is joining his mission to see other people found by him it's one of the greatest things that we have I don't want you to be burdened. I want it to be a blessing. So evangelism, this is what we're talking about. Evangelism, what is it? What is it? Let me give you this little definition right here. Evangelism is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. Uh, here, here's one thing I love about this definition is because it splits it in two. It's, it's the spreading of the Christi- Christian message, which is the gospel, the good news about Jesus. But it's by public preaching, which is what I'm doing. But it's also by... By this personal witness. That's what you do. See, you and I, we're in a partnership. This thing is not just like Jason Laird's gig up here. We are a community. We are a team. We are a rescue mission. I need you and you need me. We need each other to do what God's called us to do, to love our city. I love the way Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers, once said it. He said this, evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. Isn't that good? Evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. Interesting that Jesus called himself the bread of life. See, we live in a city where, where you just need to know this. Like, people are hungry. P- people may not know they're hungry, but their soul is hungry for truth, hungry for grace, hungry for something that will satisfy and fill them. Their job's not doing it. Those relationships that they keep getting in this relationship and that relationship, that's not doing it. There's a hunger on the inside of them. And listen, we're just beggars telling another beggar where to find bread. I love uh, Spurgeon's definition here because you know what it does? It makes us, as those that have been found by God, it puts us level with those that don't know God. You see, you and I, we're just, we're just beggars that, that stumbled across some bread. And now we're just excited about the bread, and we're just going to find our friends and tell them where we found it. It makes us level. Like you and I, because we know Jesus, we're not any better than someone that's lost. We once were lost, but now we're found. We once were blind, but now we see. There's no difference. It's level at the cross. We're not better. We've just been found by God. We're one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Evangelism, uh, when it's all said and done, is simply found people finding People, why do we do it? Why do we do it? Matthew chapter 28, this is the first reason why we do it, because Jesus commanded us. Then Jesus came to them, his disciples. This is the last thing that he said, Jesus' final words. Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, 
Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Watch this. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know what Jesus is saying? To the degree that you're going to be in alignment with my assignment to go out and to reach people and to make disciples and to evangelize the world, I am going to be with you every step of the way. A church that is on assignment and on mission with the cause of Jesus Christ, seeking and saving lost people, you know what that is? It's a church filled with the presence of Jesus. If, have you ever been in a church that feels dead and flat? You know usually what it is? They have lost their burden and passion for reaching lost people. It's a, it's a dead church, even filled with people that are alive, committed to reading their Bible, tithing, and all those things. But when it feels, feels stale and weak and powerless, it's because there's no presence in the house because they've lost their passion and their conviction to reach people that don't know God. There's people in our city right now, they just don't know Jesus. My prayer is that as a church, we would never lose our passion for the lost people in our city. My prayer for our church is that we'd never be okay and complacent and indifferent and just show up at church and sing some pretty songs, pray some pretty prayers, receive some communion, and forget that there are people that don't know Jesus. My prayer is that we always have that passion to be beggars telling other beggars where we found bread. Jesus commanded us. That's the first reason why. Listen. This was not the great suggestion. It was the great commission. Matthew 28, you read it in your Bible. You don't have to read my Bible. Read your Bible. The title above it does not say the great suggestion from Jesus. This was not a suggestion. It was a command. He said, listen, you've been found, guys. Now go and find people. This is what I'm commanding you to do. And I'm going to, listen, when he says my presence is going to be, you know what it means? It's not just his presence like the feel goods. It's his provision. It's his guidance. It's his anointing. It's his grace. It's the resources. It's the creativity. It's all those things. He says, if you just go do this, like, I know you think you're, 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 you're ill-equipped and you're inadequate and all those things, but I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be with you at your workplace. I'm going to be with you in your neighborhood. I'm going to be with you in your community. I'm going to be with you at your kid's team. I'm going to be with you if you'll just be like, I'm on mission looking for people that do not know Jesus. And in a non-weird way, okay? I don't want you to be weird, okay? Don't be that weird person, okay? See how those weird people, those weird Christians that are like, like over-the-top hyper-evangelism? They're like they're at a laundromat washing clothes, and then they talk to somebody. They're like, you know what? How long have you been coming here washing your clothes? And they're like, uh, you know, I just moved to the neighborhood. been here for about a year. You, can I tell you about someone that can cleanse your soul? It's like, <laughs> dude, you're weird. <laughs> so weird. Number one, Jesus commanded us. Number two... Number two, look at this. Why do we do it? Because people need us. People need us. I want you just to feel the weight of this moment. There are people in your workplace that you, especially in our city, we don't, we're not in the South. In this city, you may be the only, and you felt this pressure, you may be the only Christian in your workplace. I know that's a lot of pressure. I know you feel it at times. I know sometimes you feel so much pressure, you just don't even want to get in the argument today. I, I know that some of you, you're like, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to even like, let people know because then everyone's going to ostracize me and I'm going to be pushed to the side and it's going to be, I'm going to hear all, the, I'm going to be the brunt of the jokes and all that stuff. I realize that, but listen, there may be people at your workplace that the only witness they'll ever get 
may be you. I'm not trying to make you feel burdened, but I do want you to feel the weight of that. Look at, look at this. People need us. Romans chapter 10, Paul says, says this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. White, black, rich, poor, straight, gay. It doesn't matter. Everyone. Everyone. Anyone. It, do, it doesn't matter. There's no prerequisites. The only thing that you can contribute to your salvation is your sin that makes it necessary. Everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's by the grace of God. But watch this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him at your workplace unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Today, you're being sent. Save people are sent people. Ooh, hey. That is why the scriptures say, look at this. How beautiful are the feet. Last week I told you I hate feet. This is hope for all of you with ugly feet. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news to people. That's a good word right there. Why don't we do it? Here's three, three, three barriers. I'm, I'm saying these from my own personal experience. Here's the three reasons why I fell too many times in over 17, 18 years, I've failed to many times share the gospel. Number one, because of fear. I, 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 don't, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I feel like, what if I, I'm talking to this person that's way more educated than me and they are way more this, that, whatever, and I'm just like, I'm just like I don't know what to say and I'm going to screw this whole thing up and I fail. It's fear. It's fear. It's fear-based. Pride. We don't want to look stupid. Or apathy. We just don't really care. For me, it's always those three things. It's fear, it's pride, it's apathy. It's fear, it's pride, and it's apathy. But the good news is this, is that, is that as I said earlier, guilt, that, that can't be the motivation. I think the greatest motivation is love. And the good thing about the Bible is it says that God's perfect love, it drives out all fear. So if you've ever felt fear, you know what you just need? You just need a fresh dose of the love of God. You need to experience his love. Here's why. Because when you begin to experience the love of God, you're like, man, I want, I want that person I work with, I want them to know the love of God like that. I want my, 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 my parents to know the love of God like that. It's that love that drives out fear. Love, it, you know what it does to pride? It actually humbles us. So it takes away that pride. Apathy, you know what love does? It softens our calloused heart. This is what the love of God does. So how should we do it? How should we, how should we be evangelists in our city? How should we be witnesses in our city? How, how should we go out and reach people in our city? I'm going to give you three things. From three different people that I found in scripture. The first approach is this. Here's simply all you, if this is like entry level one-on-one here. You want to make a difference? Invite someone to come and see. If you're scared to, to like roll out some gospel type thing and like Jesus did this, this, whatever. I just want to encourage you. This is low-hanging fruit right here. Just invite someone. Come and see. When someone says, you're, you're part of that crazy church, got the flags out all, know it, you're like, I know they're a little crazy. You should come and see. <laughs> you don't even have, you, listen, you don't even have to be saved to do this one. You can, you can be lost as anybody and just be like, hey, you should come and see this place. I'm just trying to figure things out too. Just come and see with me. Like, well, that's not biblical. We should be able to explain the Roman road and tell them this, that, whatever. Just come and see. No, 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 listen. This is biblical right here. There's a story that I love in John chapter 4. Matter of fact, I preached this passage of scripture 
the first Sunday of our church. It's the story of this woman. She was so screwed up. She was so jacked up. This woman, she, she went to this well one day because she was thirsty. She was a thirsty woman, as they say in the streets. Um, she was thirsty, and here's how we know it, because she comes to this well to get a drink of water, and when she gets there, Jesus is propped up against the well, just chilling. And it's a divine encounter. There's a divine encounter that God wants you to have with the thirsty people in your city. This thirsty woman, she walks up, and she starts talking to Jesus, and it's, it's great. If, you even, if I was even to break this down didactically and, like, just look at this, Jesus talks to her about something very practical, water. Then he talks about uh, something very personal, uh, your five different men that you've been with. You're thirsty. Hello. And then the last one is spiritual. Practical, personal, spiritual. That right there is worth the admission if you just get that. Don't just go in with somebody like spiritual, like, Boom. You know Jesus? Like, that's going to freak people out. But you know what you should do? Just be practical with people. Just, like, talk to them about life. Talk to them about whatever. And then you move into something personal. Be patient. Be patient with people on their journey. Don't be pushy. Don't be aggressive. Be patient with people. Just come alongside them where they're at. Talk about something practical. Then maybe talk about something personal. Hey, man, where are you from? Tell me about your life. Tell me about, you, are you married? Do you have any kids? Just talk about something personal. And then as God opens up the door, then you can move into something spiritual. So Jesus starts talking to this woman, and he starts dealing with her about all her issues, and he just reads her mail, and this is an awesome moment. She encounters Jesus. She encounters the first man that she's ever encountered that wanted something for her and not from her. And Jesus shows her radical acceptance, radical grace. He doesn't say, you need to change everything. He just, he just welcomes her into his life. And it so impacted her that he didn't judge her, that he didn't push her away because she's some bad person, but he just had a conversation with her, that she drops her jar at the well and she runs into her city. And you know what she says? She says, all of you, you got to come and see this. Look at what it says in verse number 28. Then leaving her, jar, her water jar at the well, the woman went back to the town or the city and said to the people, come and see. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then they came out of the town and made their way toward him. And she impacted her city. Not because, listen, not because she went to Bible college. <laughs> not because she knew the Roman road. Not because she knew some spiritual handshake. Not because she had some kind of, she just went and said, I don't know if he is the guy. I don't know if any of this stuff's real. But you should come and see. I just want to encourage you, church, if you feel so ill-equipped to do anything else, just tell people, hey, you got to come and see this. This is a cool church. You've probably never seen a church like this. Just tell them, come and see. You should grab some of those invite cards as often as possible. Every single Sunday, I told our team, I want to have those, that little uh, stand that's out at the exit door with those invitation cards there. And I want you to grab those cards and invite people. Always have some of those on you. You know why? Because Jesus said, go out into the highways and the hedges. Uh, that means go out into the rural places and into the city. Go out there and invite people to come into my house because, watch, because my house should be full. That's what he said. God wants his house full. It's more than having a full church. It's having a full family. God wants lost people to find spiritual family. Invite people to come and see. Here's the second approach is this. It's from a blind guy in, in uh, John chapter 9, and, and here's, the, here's the application. The second approach is this. Just share your story. Just share your story. Maybe you have people that if you invited to come to church, you can invite them 50 times, but they never come. That's fine. Well, then you bring church to them. 
If they won't come to church, then you bring church to them. You bring, you, you are the church. This isn't the church. You are the church. This is a school. It's beautiful. <laughs> this is so not a church. It's not even a church. Got a big, like, I don't even know what that head thing is up there. People probably come in here for the first time and like, is that supposed to be God? Like, what is this? Got angels flying around. No, that's an eagle. I don't know what everything else is. Art Deco or something. I don't know. That's what the kids tell me. But you can share your story. There was a guy that was blind. He was born blind. This guy, I mean, he had always been blind. Talk about being lost. He lived his life wandering around in the dark. That's people in our city. That's people at your workplace. That's people in your community, in your neighborhood. They are just stumbling through life, trying to figure things out. They're grabbing a hold to anything to try to fulfill them, to try to find something that will be familiar that they can hold on to. And you, you, you actually have had your eyes open. So you don't, you're not the blind leading the blind. You can actually see and you can grab blind people and lead them to Jesus. How? By sharing your story. This blind guy, he just, he just encounters Jesus. Jesus does this crazy miracle. He takes dirt and spits in it. I mean, this is pretty unorthodox, right? He grabs dirt, spits in it, creates mud, puts it on this dude's eyes. And then he says, go wash in a pool, get it off your eyes, and you're going to be fine. You're going to be able to see. He goes and does it, and then he has to pray for him again. And he, his eyes get open. This guy's been blind his whole life. His eyes are open. And he's like, oh, my gosh, look what, look what has happened. It's a phenomenal thing. And then all the religious people come out, and they're like, that, that's not true. That was a hoax. They faked this miracle, the whole thing. And they start interrogating this, this guy. This guy doesn't have a theological degree. This guy has never been to church. This guy doesn't know anything about Jesus or God or whatever. He just knows the personal experience that he just had. And they start interrogating this, this guy. They start interrogating his family. And you know what this guy does? He says this to him. I love this. He replied as they kept asking him and asking him and asking him, you explain this. Who is this Jesus? They're trying to break down all this theological stuff. And he goes, I don't know whether he is a sinner or not. Talking about Jesus. I don't know who this dude was. I don't know. But the one thing I do know, the one thing, I may not know Calvinism. I may not know Arminianism. I may not know where the book of Romans is. I may not know what Genesis is or Exodus is or Leviticus. I may not know a statement of faith. I may not have any type of doctrinal belief. But the one thing I know, he said this, I once was blind, but now I see. I met Jesus. My eyes have been opened. Listen to me. Every one of you, you have a story of what life was like before you met Jesus how you met Jesus, and now what your life looks like with Jesus. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. My youth pastor told me to do this when I was 18, 19 years old. He said, Jason, you have a powerful story. I want you to know this. Every one of you, you have a powerful story. It doesn't matter if you were addicted to drugs or if you were raised in a great home. It doesn't matter if you came from a divorce home or if your parents have been together forever. It doesn't matter if you have the really grimy, dirty kind of testimony story or if you have one like, man, life has been pretty good. But you do have a before story. Your before story may be like, I had it all. I had money. I had this. I had this. I had all this. But I didn't have Jesus. That was what it was like before. And then how you found Jesus. How you became found by Jesus. How you just gave your life to him. I tell people all the time, when I was 18, I got down on my knees in my mom's apartment. And I, I just, on a journal pad, began to write down, I don't want my life like this anymore. I want a new life. Jesus, will you take my life? Jesus, take the will. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. And that's how I found Jesus. And now my life's not perfect. I still got issues. My issues got issues. Ask my wife. 
But now I have Jesus. He's dealing with my issues. I'm under construction. You can put little orange cones and those little, those little stickers that are at the parking spots all throughout our city. You can put it all over my life because I'm being worked on. You're being worked on. You have a message before Jesus, how I found Jesus, or probably how he found you. And now what life looks like afterwards. You have a story. My youth pastor said, write it down and just begin to read it to yourself. Memorize it. Internalize it. And then go and share your story with people. you got to share your story. The last one is this. Last one is this. Third approach. Share the gospel boldly. That was bold. Mother Teresa. Teresa, I love you. I love your passion. As a church, we say passion is our response. Uh, we respond passionately in worship. We respond. Feel free to, like, when I'm preaching, just be like, yes, amen, ride the bus, whatever you want to say. <laughs> Let's go. We can do this thing. But look at this. There's a bold witness, a bold disciple, a bold follower of Jesus who watched this. He was actually fearful before. And was a coward before. When people asked him about his relationship with Jesus, he lied. His name was Peter. Remember whenever Jesus was going to the cross and, and Peter was asked about, oh, you're one of his followers. You're one of his friends. He's like, no, no, no. I've never seen that do before in my life. Some of you have done that before. I've done that before related to Jesus. When I was younger, I would do that. I was fearful. I was a coward. Peter was like that. But something shifted. Something changed. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came and empowered him and gave him the courage, the boldness. But in Acts chapter 2, there's such a contrast to whenever he denied Jesus to the first time when he really proclaimed Jesus. And he did it with boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, he had a crowd of thousands of people. And this is the first time the gospel was ever boldly proclaimed after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you, look at the clarity. He's not sugarcoating it. He's just going straight there with a bold proclamation of the gospel. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to all those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. He was a long-winded preacher. I am too. I can relate, Peter. Uh, Strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. You know what he's doing? He's just realizing that this is a critical, urgent time with these people. And I don't have time to play games. And I'm just going to tell them, because I love them, I'm going to speak the truth and love to them and tell them, say, you got to turn away from this life and turn towards God. And he did it with boldness. Why? Because he believed that the gospel was true and that the gospel worked. He boldly proclaimed it. Listen to me. The gospel works best when you allow the gospel to do the work. The gospel can do Because this is the way God put this thing together. The gospel can do what nothing else can do. Listen, you don't have to be persuasive. If you can talk somebody into a relationship with Jesus, someone can talk them out of a relationship with Jesus. But the gospel, it pierces people right in their hearts when they hear that, listen, you are lost and you're away from God, but God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, and he rose to newness of life, and he can give you newness of life. You just have to turn towards him. Listen, that may be an offensive message, but it's true. That may be something that may not be popular in our culture, 
but it's true and it's powerful and we should not be ashamed of it. Paul said in Romans, he says, for I am not ashamed. I'm bold, he said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Paul says, I believe this message of the gospel, that it works, that it's true, and that it transforms people's lives. Listen, I don't even know fully. I don't fully understand, even as a pastor, how this is true. But when someone, God uses this message, the good news of Jesus, he uses it in powerful ways when someone can hear it for the first time or for the 40th time. And in a moment, like all the persuasiveness and cleverness of speech and all these things and lofty ideas and apologetics and debates, all those things may not work, but there's something about the power and the simplicity of the gospel that can just, it can cut into a person's heart and God uses it to open them up and to bring newness of life. Paul said it's actually the power of the gospel that transforms people's lives. Listen, so if you don't think you have a good story or if you don't think our church is worth worth inviting people to, I can tell you something that's more powerful than both of those, the gospel. Just boldly tell people the gospel. Jesus loves you. He died for you. Just turn to him. Your life will be different. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy, but it will be different because you'll have Jesus with you. It's the gospel, and you can be bold with it. Finally is this, is if you think that you may look foolish telling people the gospel, here's the reality. You probably will. Sometimes you got to be willing to look like a fool for Jesus. Sometimes you got to be willing to risk your reputation to build his. You may look foolish. Matter of fact, you're, you're going to look foolish. I'm just going to tell you right now. This is a disclaimer. If you don't want to look foolish, then just don't tell people about Jesus, okay? But if you want to look a little foolish, because it's going to be the reality, is tell people about Jesus in our city. That's, it's foolish in our city, but it's all right. Look, 1 Corinthians 1, I know very well how foolish it sounds, Paul said. I know very well in San Francisco at Google. At Reddit, at this in the school district, I know very well how foolish it sounds to those who are lost when they hear that Jesus died to save them. But we who are saved recognize this message is the very power of God. The gospel is powerful, and the gospel works best when you allow it to do what only it can do. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray for you, Lord. We love you so much, and God, I thank you that it's actually pretty simple. If we want to be found people that find people, we, we can invite people to come and see. We can, it can be as simple as giving someone an invitation to come and see and to experience the presence of God, to hear a life-giving message of Jesus, to come in and to experience the people of God with radical acceptance and love for people. God, there's some people in our city right now, they're just one invitation away having their lives transformed by Jesus. There's people in our, our workplaces that are one invitation away from finding hope in Jesus Christ. There's some people in our city that are one story away from finding God. As the rabbis would say in Jewish literature, they would say, the shortest distance between God and man is just one story, so share your story. God, there's people one invitation, one story away, or one moment away of just hearing the gospel boldly, passionately proclaimed. God, and their life would forever be changed. God, I pray that we would be beggars that have found the bread of life and that we would go out into our streets and into our city, into our community as people who were once hungry but now have been filled by Jesus and that we would tell other people where to find bread where to find Jesus. Lord, we love you and we thank you for it today.
with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just ask you this really quick. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm lost. I'm like you described, I'm lost. I don't know Jesus. But today, I want to know Jesus. I want to become a follower of Jesus. If that's you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. It's between you and God. I'm not going to ask you to come down to the front. would never want to embarrass you. But in this moment, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. You don't have to be lost. You don't have to be empty. Your life can be fulfilled right now. In one moment, you can put your faith in who Jesus is as the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and he can forgive you of your sins simply by calling upon his name. Maybe prayer, prayer, something like this. Jesus, today I acknowledge and I confess that you are the Son of God, the Savior of the world. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Give me a fresh start and a new beginning. Today, I commit my life to you. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week on the podcast or live in San Francisco, California. Keep up with life at Sozo Church by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.